0: Well, I have to admit, with spring break going on just about everywhere close by, I'm so glad that you are with me here today. I thought it was going to be me in the Trinity again like it was on Super Bowl Sunday. And then to add insult to injury, those of us who stay behind have to deal with snow and a winter storm tomorrow. April fools, right? Tomorrow, right? Come on, laugh. At the 1230, they were not happy with me after Mass. They said mean things to me. It was a joke. OK, our gospel reading is probably the best-known parable in the New Testament. All of us can relate to us because we're, we relate to it because we are all sinners, right? Maybe we didn't prematurely demand our inheritance from our parents and run through it with reckless abandon and irresponsibility. But all of us have made mistakes, and some of them have been big, and we often carry the heavy residue and troubled hearts and consciences because of our mistakes. Many of us carry these sins into the the recesses of our hearts, and some believe that our sins are so bad that they can never be forgiven. And the purpose of this parable, though, is to convince us that despair in the face of our sins is not the right answer. Let's look at the story in detail at its deepest levels and what it is trying to tell us. The father is looking off in the distance, longing for the return of his beloved son when he finally returns. The sinful son is ready with his forgiveness speech, having spent his inheritance on wine, women, and song, a life of dissipation. Father, I have sinned against you and I have sinned against God and I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired hands and so on. But before he could even complete his apology, the father runs out and embraces his son and gives him three gifts. The first is a robe. Perhaps you've seen a relative or a friend whose body has been ravaged by their poor choices, the effects of alcoholism, cigarette smoking, drug addiction, gluttony, stress, and the like. In other words, People can become so lost in their inner struggles that they start to show up on the outside as well. By clothing his son in a robe, he restores his honor and his dignity as people can no longer see the effects of sin on his body. By clothing him, the father is saying to his son that despite his waywardness, that he is still loved, he is still protected. It's a message to the Son and to us that when despite our ways, we are still loved and we are still protected by God. Secondly, the Father gives his Son a ring and in it the Father is restoring his sonship. A ring was a sign of a person's authority in ancient times. In biblical times, people signed things with the seal of a ring that was dipped in wax and by putting The ring on his finger, he was literally saying, my son can act in my name and speak in my place. So the father was showing the son and everyone who saw the ring that even with all of his failures, the son had his father's complete confidence. Finally, the father gives his wayward son a pair of sandals. As we heard, the son had hoped to be a hired hand or a slave slaves or servants didn't wear shoes only members of perhaps a wealthy family did but putting shoes on his feet he provides his son complete and total restoration as a member of his family i would imagine that jesus's story about the father's love and mercy as well as the father's trust were so radical that have probably left the crowd kind of speechless, kind of the point of a parable. They probably thought the Father was crazy. We would call him codependent today. Different from other literature, Scripture is a living document. That is, the parables Jesus speaks and shares with us are not always past tense. Rather, their themes and their truths unfold in our everyday lives they are about our successes and if they're about our failures. As we all know, the church is made up of sinners, so we're all in good company when we come to Mass. I frequently tell people that the most cunning of all of the devil's tricks is to encourage us to despair about God's forgiveness that he couldn't possibly love us that much. Sometimes people are so ashamed that they are able to fathom a God that seeks to restore our dignity, restore our honor as members of his family. He even hands us the privilege to speak on behalf of God and boldly proclaim the truth of the gospel that our sonship can be restored no matter what is in our past. That is all that we have to do in return to the Father is to ask and to pledge to start life anew, and forgiveness can be ours. During this Lenten season, on what is called the Tare Sunday, which is just about at the halfway point to Easter, we have to ask the question, what holds us back from asking for the mercy that God grants us that we so desperately need? Why so often do we carry the baggage of our sinful lives? Of course, this parable is so important that its themes became a sacrament when Jesus commissioned his apostles, his future priests, as ministers of reconciliation. And he did so on Easter Sunday, one of the first things that he did at the moment of reconcil- or his resurrection. Yet some of us haven't gone to confession in years. What's holding us back from the sacrament of forgiveness What's holding us back from meeting the loving Father who looks out for us, looks down the road, asking us to come home? Is it our pride? Perhaps it's our shame? Is it worldly busyness? There's an interesting fact about our sinful world that is worth pondering. That is, the world permits just about every sinful thing. You can do whatever you want, but the world also forgives nothing. The world loves a scandal. We love to make people pay, even if in very public ways for their sins, as is evidenced by our constant roll of scandalous headlines. This is so different from our Father in heaven. Think about it. That is because of the commandments and the moral teachings of the church. We discover a church that God gave us that does not permit everything, but also forgives everything for the truly repentant, and thanks be to God. Secondly, and just as important as we revel in the understanding that despite our mistakes, we can be restored by God's grace, there is also a catch. That is, we must be willing to forgive others. We must also be like the Father. We must be willing to forgive quickly and completely, letting go of past hurts. And finally, the parable of the prodigal son is the story of three people. One broken, poor soul who dared to even hope for forgiveness. Hopefully that's us. And one loving father who, watching and waiting for even a glimpse of his son, extends forgiveness. Hopefully we can emulate that. And and probably the poorest soul of all, the older brother who was so lost in himself, so angry and filled with rage that he refused even to think of forgiving his brother. We find ourselves identifying with the older brother, then we are like the Pharisees that Jesus is addressing with his parable today. Perhaps during this Lenten season, there are people that we need to extend forgiveness to. During this Lenten season, as we ponder our lives, our hearts, our sins, our struggles, let us decide whose examples we want to follow. An angry, grudge-carrying son or a repentant son and a forgiving father.